Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Government is the problem. This will not stand. This will not stand, this aggression against uh, Kuwait. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Mr. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. America is a strong force for peace. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. And my vice president has shot someone. Do you smell what Barack is cooking? You didn't build that. I'll give you all a big kiss, the women and the men. I'll, kiss. I'll even kiss the men. Sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. You're listening to the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast, the show for those who want a spirited, irreverent, humorous, and occasionally informative discussion on the latest geopolitical issues that are impacting the energy sector today. Here is your host, Jordan Driscoll. This podcast is brought to you by T, the Empowerment Alliance. The Empowerment Alliance fights for affordable, clean, domestic, and abundant energy for America's energy independence. They want to keep the politics in this podcast and out of the energy industry. Wouldn't that be nice? And now, if you want to learn more about what the Empowerment Alliance is fighting for, help support the work they're doing, visit their website, which will be linked in the show notes below. I can tell you they are incredibly passionate about promoting American energy independence, and I hope you'll check them out, sign up for the newsletter. All right, and uh, while we're knocking out some housekeeping, a big thank you to uh, Offshore Technology Conference for allowing us to be here. Even bigger thanks to Fifth Ring for sponsoring the OTC Podcast Pavilion, which is where we're at live today. I mean, not live for you listening to it, but there we are. So Fifth Ring is a global B2B marketing and communications agency with over 30 years of experience in the energy sector and beyond. And its presence is in Houston, Aberdeen, and Singapore enables the agency to help companies all over the world build better brands and sell more stuff. Uh, To learn more about Fifth Ring Energy, visit uh, fifthring.com. Link is in the show notes below. All right. Welcome to the program, my huddled masses. I am the aforementioned Jordan Driscoll, your diminutive ATM of reckless opinion. And I'm joined today by Paige Wilson. Who is uh, Thanks right for there. having me on. Yeah, thank you for being here. And business daddy, Mark LaCour. <laughs> Love being here. Never been called a business daddy before, You're but the business I'll take daddy. it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's what we call you behind your back. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> the only reason it's been behind your back is I was waiting for you to be on this On this trap moment, yep. <laughs> so that you couldn't stop me. There we go. All right. Jordan, so. you got to quit hitting done. the table, dude. Oh, I know. I'm very, uh, I do this in my office when I record. I'm very yep. animated. Um, all right. So. As usual, grab yourself a cup of coffee. Let's get into it. Uh, Except for us, we can't find any coffee, so we've got like waters and and sodas, so that's uh, as good as it's going to get. Today, we've got a special episode. We're doing this panel session with Mark and Paige, and we are going to answer some of the listener questions. So I've selected a few. I actually had like 20 or so of these, and so I selected a few of the ones, and I'm just going to throw them out there, get y'all's opinion on them. Now, this is a free speech podcast. I'm outside of the controlled sector, which means y'all can speak as freely as you want. There's no limits to what you can say at all. Unless I want to target it on my back, right? Well, I mean, you know, it's individual <laughs> responsibility. You've got to deal with it. But you can say anything you want. It's totally free and clear. All right. First question we're going to go into here. Uh, what conflict, internationally speaking, has the biggest impact on oil and gas, in your opinion? Ooh, so that's a good one. So the first place most people would go would be Ukraine and Russia? Yeah, yeah that's where I yep. was going. I mean, that's, that's, that's my immediate knee-jerk reaction. Um, I, I think long-term wise, what's going on in the South China Sea with China and they're not friends like Japan, Vietnam, the Philippines, um, 
um, Korea, I think that's going to be a longer-term impact to the industry. Oh, you mean World War III is going to have a bigger impact on oil and gas than <laughs> yeah. Ukraine? I would imagine so. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that is the looming conflict, 100%. I think what's happening today with Ukraine is probably the thing right this living second that's probably the most uh, uh, problematic. But, but yeah, no, I think you're, you're right on the money with that. Like, in the future, it's going to be uh, the, the Taiwan-South China Sea's crisis right. is going to be out of control. So what, what do you think? What do we do about that, Mark? How do we get out of that? You know, I don't know, George. You know, I'm a Marine, and for the longest time, I loved when we needed to use military action. We did. Mm-hmm. We're one of the few countries that police the world, whether you agree with it or not. We're one of the few countries that do it. Same way with our economic sanctions. But, Jordan, I'm starting to think that we've done too much. I'm starting to think that we use economic sanctions too freely, mm-hmm. and it's causing other countries that should be allies of ours, or at least to be neutral, mm-hmm. to be the opposite of that and to band together. Um, this is the largest economic powerhouse on the planet. $4 trillion a day of commerce happens here. But what happens when Brazil, India, China, Russia come together as an economy? Well, now you got somebody else that's in your batting range, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that, and China's been blowing up. They're, they're, I mean, their whole economy uh, is, is out of control. I mean, they, they did this whole ring and belt initiative to recenter global trade on China. That's been something they started back in 2011 or so, and it's projected to be done by 2050. I mean, it's massive. It's, it's, and once that happens, sanctions don't mean shit effectively. Right. Yeah, basically. Yeah, doesn't mean shit at all. Can't say that on this show. I just, you just said I could say whatever I wanted, so I did. Yeah. <laughs> now we gotta, we have Don't tell power. me what to do. Ah, uh, you're right. I have no power here. Actually, really, the only two people that can tell me what to do at all in this entire OGGN <laughs> network are on the show with me. So, I mean, even... They never already fired you once today, dude. I know, I know. And yet I'm still here. Like a, <laughs> like a bad penny. Yeah. All right, all right. So that's, that's what we got, number one. Okay, so uh, number two here. Are you expecting any serious competition for... The sarcophagus of Joe Biden at the DNC. Now, I, I added sarcophagus. That wasn't in the original question, but I think it's funny. Uh, do you expect any serious competition for Joe Biden at the DNC? Robert F. Kennedy. Maybe. Really? Yeah, maybe. I don't no. know. I honestly don't know. I, 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 mm, there's, who else is running? We had this conversation. Well, Marianne Williamson, the yeah. hippie power crystal lady. That's she, right. That's right. You don't think Which she's I don't a even serious know. contender? No. You don't think she's going to make it? I, I just, no, pro- probably not. Probably not. Shocking. I know. Positively I know. Shocking. I don't even know who she is, dude. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's that. There's that problem. Okay. So you, so you think Kennedy, because uh, we like dynasties in this country. Anybody's better than Biden. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't even know where he is. Most of the I know. Time. I like a politician he that's fall, completely he falls lost upstairs. and incapable of doing anything. That's, that's my favorite kind of politician. I don't right. want ones with real power and drive. God, no, we have to shut the government down. Oh, goodness. Yeah, you know, I, so when I look at what's going on with the Democratic Party, they're their own worst enemy. Um, they've grown uncontrollably, and they have factions inside that have radically different beliefs. And so as much as I hate to say it, and it really pains me to say it, when I look at the Democratic Party, I, I, if I had to pick somebody, if you put a gun to my head, it, it would probably be Biden because he's a little, sort of a little bit closer to center than some of the left radicals out there that could also be on the ballot, right? Hmm. And I really think that the, 
the really next big major election is not going to be this one. It's going to be one after that presidential yeah, election. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, interesting times this next uh, four and what four and a half years. What's his approval rating right now? Is it like forty uh, percent? Yeah, like 37, 38, 40, okay. there. I mean, it's terrible. The only other pre- and in fact, I, this was in the episode I just did that. Well, I, that dropped this week. I said. Um, the only other president who's ever had an approval rating this low at this stage in their term is Donald Trump. Like, <laughs> I went on a whole 10-minute diatribe where I may have just had a bit of a, a rant about, like, are we doing this? Are we giving the world the rematch that nobody asked for? Like, this yeah. is the best we can do. So I'm embarrassed as an American who we have run. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, uh, what, a septuagenarian and an octogenarian? We're doing it again? I, I, but but I, there, there is no other choice, and there's no way to slice it and dice it and make it right. You can't have another party come in, which is what I would love to have happen. Yep, you and me both. That, that's not going to go anywhere. Um, the Republicans don't have a strong contender, and uh, DeSantis, I think, is smart enough to realize that this election cycle is not the one for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I'm, I'm on the... Okay, so I have a little difference of opinion there. I think... Okay, so... Uh, I'm going to say that I said this on my episode the other day, but I'll say it here because y'all weren't there. Uh, Trump, they've got the one guy, and I get all the reasons, the popularity and all that, but they've got the one guy who's got more political baggage than an eight-time divorcee that has 12 (laughs) children, okay? Yeah. The man's got, what, four or five criminal cases impending at this point, and love him or hate him, wherever you're at on the thing, he's got a lot of baggage, right? Oh, of course. And I think DeSantis is biding his time to see if any of that sticks. And the moment that it looks like it's going to stick and it's going to knock Trump out of the thing, I think DeSantis will pounce this year. I hope year you're right, if. Jordan. I really do I hope you're to. right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I don't... Uh, so uh, right De- DeSantis, a political team, if you're all listening to this show, and that's what's going to be happening, we'll keep it quiet. We know it has to be a surprise. That's, that's the moment right. has to be perfect. Yeah, that's right. It's all. A, it's, a, it's okay. I've only got 13 listeners, Mark. You don't have to worry. Nobody's going <laughs> to... Just the 13. We're good. Uh, all right. So um, let's see here. What are the implications of a Trump presidency in 24? Well, I think we kind of already know what they are. We've already seen this. You know, there is a little bit of a segue here, but did you see the ad that the, um, the Republicans dropped right after Biden announced his candidacy a few weeks ago? They had it locked and loaded, right, ready to go, went right out immediately. Can you imagine a world with President Biden at the helm? And I'm like, I already live in that world, man. Like, come right. on, do better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway. Annoying. We know what both of these guys look like in office. There's no surprise Yeah, because we've already seen it. Yes, yes. This is, this is round one and round two. Um, so I don't know that there's any big surprises. We know Trump's uh, going to talk tough and he's going to, you know, do Trump things. We know Biden's going to be kind of doing Biden things, and, and we know that they all are going to be just that much older by the time it's all over and done with. Uh, I don't know. What's, what's different in a, in a Trump round two? Well, they might redo the, the, the pipeline, bring more jobs, all that I mean, stuff. How, how quickly could you realistically get that pipeline running? What was the question? How quickly did what the pipeline? Yeah, so Paige says yeah, if they get the pipeline running if there's a Trump presidency. I said, okay, let's say we do that. How fast would it take people to get the pipeline up and running? Oh, because- you're looking at years. And, and, the, and, and it probably would never happen. So in between the time the Keystone Pipeline was imagined as an infrastructure project and between the time it was killed as a political tool, 
other pipeline companies notice that constraint and are building capacity. That's right. one thing that people don't know. I don't know if the economics still makes sense to Keystone Pipeline. There's other pipeline companies building capacity. Um, I will say this much about Trump. So when he first ran, he built the rock star team of cabinets. Like, like he literally picked the best. Yeah, and but the then brightest. he fired like half well, of them. They, well, no, <laughs> they True. couldn't work with him because of his ego, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I would not be surprised. So, first thing, I don't think he has a chance in hell of winning. Really? If, you really? Really? Yeah. That's the hot take of this episode because I really, it's a coin toss to me. Yeah. Same for I, me. I, I don't know which one of those two I would want in the White House. However, if, Neither, Trump, if, Trump would, if Trump would win, I do think he might have learned from his past lessons, right? He's a businessman at heart, and you can't be a successful businessman without learning from your past mistakes. So what I'm hoping is if for somehow he does get back in, that he builds rock star cabinet number two and lets them do their job. And then this whole thing may turn completely around. And if Elon Musk just keeps Twitter away from Trump. <laughs> I think he reinstated it. He, he tossed the keys to Twitter back. Yeah. Trump's, Trump's he gave, not he in. He gave him back, but I, I have him blocked, so now, I don't I, care. Now, I, I got my issues with Trump. I've made no uh, uh, secret of that. But I will say, I think Trump going to Twitter jail, uh, I'm not a fan of. Close. First Amendment. Well, it, well, uh, yeah, kind. I mean, First Amendment. The government can't shut him up, which the government didn't, as far as we know. Uh, but it is a freedom of speech thing. I think the solution to bad speech is more speech. If you disagree with someone, getting in an echo chamber or cancel. You know, I have a huge problem with cancel culture and the whole that whole thing. Uh, so, regardless of what I think, um, I do think that you know, locking anyone in Twitter jail is stupid. Uh, and I say this fully aware that one of these days I'll probably be one of the people thrown in Twitter jail, but I haven't yet. But, you know, the day is coming, I'm sure. I, I don't really use Twitter, so I I mean, it's a cesspool. Could be. Yeah. I think I follow, like, Top Gear on there. I think that's the best I got. But <laughs> I will say this, though, uh, businessman-wise for senior uh, El President, former El Presidente Trump, I will say, to play a little devil's advocate with you, Mark, the guy did bankrupt three casinos, which is mathematically impossible. It can't be done. I'm just saying. Whenever somebody goes, oh, he's a brilliant Jordan. Person, he bankrupt Jordan. three casinos. He picked a fight with the Pope and still got elected. <laughs> like, nobody could pull oh, that off. Oh, sure. No, he that would I buy. He picks fights with everyone. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I, here's the other thing. I just want to also, okay, so I trashed on Trump a little bit. Uh, now my little Democrat friends, i got to say something about this, too. You guys with the indictments, okay? Listen, do you yeah, not that's remember? a little much. There are a couple of those there could be some merit to, and that and that I get. But the whole Stormy Daniels thing, you blew your wad on Stormy Daniels situation. Um, bazinga. Anyway, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that's the most just, that's a cupcake case. That's There's nothing there. There's nothing, a fine, a no. slap on the wrist. Um, and on top of that, do the Democrats not remember back in, um, in uh, 96, 97, when you guys brought uh, Bill Clinton up on charges uh, and impeached him, and he got the post-impeachment bump. His uh, approval rating was like, I don't know, 50-something, 40-something, somewhere in there. And post-impeachment, it jumped up and he finished out his term in the 70%. And you're already seeing that with Trump where they did this indictment, and now there's a post-indictment bump on the popularity polls. And I'm just like... 
you know, Democrats, guys, we've played this game before. You've seen how this goes. None of y'all can learn from... I'm telling you, they need to hire me to run their campaigns. I've been saying it for a while now. Specifically Kanye's, though. Was certainly Kanye's. No question about that. (laughs) I will say this much, because I remember when Clinton got indicted. And if you remember what that whole subject was, my approval rating of him went up. Yeah, I mean, really? he, he, yeah. he, well, listen, he's a busy guy, so he nailed the intern. He, We've all done that, well, right? I mean, look at his wife. I mean, I, you can't uh, really He's blame married him. to Hildebeest. What are you going to do? <laughs> it, it wasn't that, is that what he did was what a lot of normal people would do. Wait, yeah. yeah. So many people, listen, okay, like, obviously, power disparity between boss and intern, like, all joking aside, it's not great. But, yes, we've all had a workplace romance at some point. Um, and what's funny is, that if he had gone, and I actually used to say this long before Trump ever got in office, but I, I said, even in high school, when, when all this was happening, if he just got in front of it and said, yep, I got a blowy from the intern, I'm the president, what are you going to do? It happened. Sure did. Yeah. Like, if he just owned it with no, yeah, he would have walked away agreed. no problem at all. Yeah. No problem at all. Because it was all about uh, perjury, right? Yes. Yeah, well, that and the moral shame of it. The but moral. really, the moral shame of it was just the, the Republicans are all, all twerked off because none of them have ever had a scandal like that. Yeah. Um, Newt Gingrich, who was the Speaker of the House at the same time. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, it was the, the oh, oh, he lied about it. He did this terrible thing. I'm like, dude, one, yet yeah, to Mark's point, so many people... Yeah, we're fine on time. We're good. This is this go on for hours. I was just making sure it was red. Yeah, it's red. We're good. Okay, I'm just checking. I know how to operate this device. (laughs) It's my job. I'm a professional podcaster. (laughs) New, but yeah. That's right. Technically professional. Not expert. Not an expert, (laughs) but I am professional. Technically speaking. So. I lost my train of thought there. You distracted me. Maybe go to the next question. Okay, fine. We're having this fun conversation. You want to move on to the next question? We'll do that. Okay. All right. So uh, how can we lower the energy prices for the poorest 35% of Europe, Africa, and Asia? That's a, that's a question for you, Mark. Yeah, Mark, you've got the button over there that just raises and lowers the prices. Just do something. No, I don't. That. Mark, but come I tell on. You I've what, seen it's, you with it's the It's a button. supply and demand. It's a simple supply and demand problem. If we can take politics out of energy and we produce more of it, the price will go down. It's a very simple thing to do. And if you look at Africa, the number of uh, large conventional reservoir discoveries they've made the last couple of years, hats off to Exxon. I know I always give Exxon street creds, but amazing discoveries they're making. Uh, And if the African countries can clean up their political corruption, Mm. they should be flourishing in energy in another, say, 10 years or so, right? Well, yeah, they've got OPEC in their backyard. How is it, you know? Yeah. And here in the U.S., the same way. We have more hydrocarbons under our feet and we know what to do with. If our politicians get out of our way, we can make energy affordable for everybody. Europe's a little bit different story. Uh, depending on what part of Europe you're talking about, you have the, the wealth, but the older reservoirs in the North Sea, right? Um, there's plenty of energy there. Uh, certain parts of Europe, wind makes total sense, right? In, uh, at the Aberdeen, Scotland area, mm-hmm. right? Offshore wind. But there's other parts of Europe that literally have no conventional or unconventional um, reservoirs. And so they're going to have to import hydrocarbons no matter what. Now, but even there, if the politicians get out of the way and we produce more energy, the cost of that imported energy will be cheaper for them as well. And you look at countries that literally have to import all their energy, like Japan, Mm. right? They they live and die by the price of energy, right? And if if we can lower the price for not just the world's poorer people, but for the countries out there that 
um, are, are part of the economic powerhouse, the whole world just benefits from that. Mm. Well, doesn't the windfall tax fall into some of that, too? Well, that's that's politics, right? That's yeah. pure yeah, yeah, politics. Yeah, in Britain, that giant tax they've levied on the uh, the producer. So, like with China, if I remember, not China, Japan. If I remember my history correctly, I believe right before World War II started, one of the impetuses for that conflict, one of them, uh, aside from the fact they, you know, there's a lot of other antecedents, but one of them was we had started oil embargoes of Japan. Yeah. So they decl- they decided that that was an act of war. So we cut yep. off their supply of oil. A lot of Americans don't know that. Um, um, now, does that justify what they did to Pearl Harbor? I don't know. Um, was their military decision a bold one? Hell yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we won that war by the skin of our teeth. Mm-hmm. People don't realize the amount of luck. Um, if, if a lot of, of the, especially the destroyers, and the battleships were in port like they were supposed to be that Sunday, mm-hmm. instead of that surprise exercise, they would have wiped out our, our Navy, which was mm-hmm. literally our entire powerhouse. Um, Germany has already made plans to do landfall in the U.S. And remember, we were coming out of an isolationist mentality where we didn't want to be involved in the other wars, right? Mm-hmm. We got pulled into it. And the only reason we won it besides luck is we could outmanufacture everybody. But yeah. that takes years. If 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 when they originally bombed Pearl Harbor, if it would have went the way they would have wanted it to go, and if Germany would have kept going down their more modern style of warfare and put boots on the ground, we might be speaking German right now. Right? Yeah, this would be like a yeah. man in the high castle writ large, <laughs> which was a an eerie show to watch. Did you ever see that? Which show? Man in the high castle. No. Okay, so the premise is that. Germany and Japan win the war. It takes place like in the 60s or 70s after they partitioned off the U.S. So everything up to the Rocky Mountains from the Pacific is Empire of Japan, the Japanese federal states or whatever. And everything from the Rockies to the Atlantic is the the greater German Reich. And so they've got, you know, uh, Americans in German, you know, Nazi uniforms. They've got an armband on the Statue of Liberty. And I mean, just, whew, it was eerie. It was, it was scurry stuff. Yeah, if, if you're a history buff, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a history buff, you should be, because what we don't want to do is repeat lessons that we've learned from in the past. Exactly. Correct. All right. So, yeah, interesting. So that gets us to uh, next one here. Uh, US, and this just happened in the past couple of days. U.S. Supreme Court allows lawsuits brought by municipalities seeking to sue energy companies over the effects of climate change. What are our thoughts on? I mean, I think I know our thoughts on that, but let's. That hear is them. the atom bomb of legislation. I hope it gets appealed. It gets turned over. If I mean, that's start, the Supreme Court. If you're going, if you can still appeal it, the Supreme Court decision, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, not you it's, need some a, justices the, to die for it to make a difference. Um, actually, you know what? You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. Um, to allow states to sue. And municipalities too, cities, cities yeah. anything, yeah. That is that is a totally different battlefield. There's a lot of common law uh, things that states can sue for that they can't sue for now, right? In in the in the realm of climate change, so they could sue for things like nuisances. Mm-hmm. Right? This is going to tie up every energy company in the U.S. that operates in the U.S. in, in le- uh, leg- um, legalese for a very long time. They're going to win these cases. Right, the majority oh, of them. Very likely. I mean, but guess what? They're going to spend millions of dollars fighting this in court, which they're not spending right now. They're not spending. They won't be spending the level of money in the future. They'll be spending more in the future than they are now, right? And guess where that money is going to come from? 
the people that buy their products, which exactly. are us. So yep. You talk about increasing the price of energy for everybody. Mm -hmm. it, it's, um, you know, Jordan, I, I, I sometimes stop and go, do people not realize the quality of life and the prosperity we have? Do you realize what's going to happen if we start turning the dial backwards, right? California is having rolling blackouts. That's not the U.S., that's U.S. now in 2023. Just 10 years ago, none of that happened because we had abundant energy everywhere. Um, and to add another uh, layer of, of, of legal entanglement for all the gas companies, I would not want to be Chevron right now or Exxon. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, this to me, uh, what it reminds me of, what it smacks of, which I don't much care for, is the... Uh, you know, it was 20 years or so ago when they started allowing the vicarious liability suits to gun manufacturers, let's say. Um, or cigarette companies for cancer. Same principle on both of those, right? You smoke a cigarette, you get cancer, your family can then sue the tobacco company for it. Listen, first off, I don't know a person alive that doesn't know that cigarettes are dangerous. Secondly... They put it in big bowl, all that. But it's the same thing with guns, right? If somebody goes out and commits a crime with firearms, and then you go sue Colt, it's, it, to my mind, that seems like what they're trying to do here is put it out of business through this vicarious liability thing. And I, I think it's bullshit. I don't think they should be doing that. I think that's, that's you know, they can't, they can't crush it fast enough, so they're coming after it with this vicarious Oh, that's exactly what they're stuff. doing. Yeah. The other thing's going to happen, Jordan, mark my words, is this will hit the oil and gas industry first and it'll hit us really hard mm. and we will figure out how to deal with it and then in another 10 years this exact same thing is going to hit the renewable industry right there's a group of organizations and people out there that i call the anti-human flourishing people right <laughs> that want to put us back in the stone age and you look at what's happening with the proposed wind farms in the east and west coast and the um they're saying that they're killing whales which is not true, right? The seismic survey is not impacted whales. I have a degree in wildlife management. I could talk you all the way through that. Um, you're looking at... I would, I, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I want to follow up on that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, anyway, so the, the same groups that are going to force the oil and gas industry to have more legal fights, eventually the renewals are going to have the same issues, right? It's starting already. Uh, you're seeing a lack of permitting. You're seeing um, uh, organizations, municipalities, local communities not want renewable energy in their backyard it's 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 a lose-lose situation for everybody a hundred percent i mean okay so a follow-up question i have for you mark with that i've heard this around quite a bit the the whole wind turbines or whatever killing whale uh now i admit that my interests don't lie in wildlife management both professionally or personally but how, how the hell would that work? What do you mean wind tower? What's the story behind that? Because I've heard that 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 thing. Story, the story behind what, Jordan? I'm having trouble hearing you. Uh, the story behind why wind turbines are um, uh, killing wind. Like, I know you just said that's not a thing, but I've heard yeah, that yeah, so let me Let me tell you what the theory is that's out there that's not true. The theory is two things. The seismic surveys that you do to map the underwater world so you can figure out how to build the foundations for the platform, whether it's a wind turbine or an oil production platform, is interfering with whales' ability to navigate because they use sonar and they're accidentally beaching themselves, right? That's one theory. The other theory is the operation, once they build the, the wind turbines, 
and the frequency of the noise that blades create also do the same thing. Whales have been around for millions of years. Not that long ago in history, they had to deal with something called Megalodon, which is a great white shark the size of six school buses that would bite a blue whale in half, right? They sonically understand everything in the ocean, just like the same way we visually do. Every sound that's out there, they know what it is, where it is, how far away it is. You can't confuse them, right? It'd be the same thing as if that screen in front of us, I put a little dot of white, this big, huge black screen would still not keep you from seeing the little dot of white. Your brain is tuned um, visually to be able to see little things on big things. Whales' ability to hear is that exact same thing. And like I said, they've been around for millions of years. As soon as you bring a new sound in the aquatic environment, they categorize it. They know what's a boat, what's a ship, what's a nuclear-powered ship compared to bunker sea-powered ship, uh, whether that ship's carrying munitions. They can look at each other and see if somebody's pregnant and how far they are. So this theory that these man-made wind farms are interfering with whales and causing them to beach themselves is not true. Now, we don't know why they're beaching themselves, but just like a lot of the statistics out there, if you look at the frequency of whales beach themselves over the last hundreds of years, it hasn't changed. What's happening is the, the, the people that don't like the wind farms are selectively sampling the data or changing the x-axis to make the length of time much shorter so you can see a spike. But you spread out the time and look at all that, there's no spike. It's like wildfires. Wildfires in the U.S. have declined tremendously in the last 100 years. However, we've had a spike in the last 10 years. So the people that want to blame wildfires on climate change only look at that sample of time for the last 10 years. And obviously it shows an increase, but that's not true. It's like the, uh, the world's warming up. Everybody looks at around the 1800s. Like from the 1800s now, the world's mean temperature, which is an average take off the highs and lows, the mean has went up a little bit. We came out of a mini ice age that lasted between the 1300s and 1800s. So if you start the point of measuring the world's temperature at the end of an ice age, of course it's going to go up, right? That's what you got to be real careful of. So to be clear, and just so you've heard it here first, Mark LaCour, business daddy Mark LaCour, are you saying you are pro-whale? I'm pro-whale? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm not, I'm not pro-noun, but I will say I am pro-whale. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. So there you go. See, this is a ecologically friendly podcast. We like whales. Very good. <laughs> Paige, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? <laughs> he pretty much said everything I thought. Yeah. You can't I'm, do that. I mean, yeah, I just on. did it. Feminism. Speak for yourself. No, no. I mean, we talk about this all the time on all guests this week. So, like, you know, I, I, I pretty much hold the same opinion. All right. I guess I'll I mean, let you buy you know, on that one. does have a wildlife management degree. He does, he does. And I'm glad, because oh. I've heard that rumor, and I'm glad that you were able to tell me that. Yeah, which, by the way, audience, if you don't like renewables, that's fine, but don't use faulty science and opinions to try to prove your point. That's what they've done to us for a long time. That's just wrong. But you've Understand read all the data. You've, gotten, you've gone through all the data sets. You've been able to see all that. That is not up my alley, but you're kind of a nerd. So, Jordan, <laughs> there's 150 different climate models out there, right, that are, that are, that are good models, right? Okay. The one that most people talk about is CIMP5, right? Okay. It's public. It's shared data between us and Europe. That's the one that most people point at to show that man's activities increase in global warming or making the climate change, depends on what decade you want to talk about it. I've been studying and doing data dumps for CIMP5 for two years. You can actually log in and because it's public. Mm -hmm. You can see where OGGN2 has to pull in data out of the climate model everybody talks about and analyzing it. 
99% of the people out there on social that are talking about man's activity affecting climate, when I research to see if they have access to CIP5, they've never looked at it. Interesting. Okay. So you'll notice that I rarely talk about climate change in any real capacity because, um, one, I don't know very much about it. Uh, there's so much conflicting stuff. And two, uh, and this is going to sound worse than I mean for it to, but boy, that's just, I'm let smarter people figure that out for me. Like, I'll talk about the politics. I don't know anything about the climate. I can't tell you anything about it. It seems to me like we've only been around recording data for such a short period of time. How would we know anything? But Exactly. But I just, someone smarter than me has got to figure out what the truth is and then figure that out. That's not a Jordan problem to solve. You want me to fix our democracy? Hey, I got you covered. You want me to fix our <laughs> climate? I don't know what today, but weather. Uh. Yeah, so for me... The most important part is to understand that if we don't know exactly and we're not 100% sure, we shouldn't try to mess with it, right? It can't be that we're 75% sure it means activities affecting climate change or 90% or 95% or 99%. We have to be 100% sure and nobody's 100% sure. I don't care what anybody tells you. I'll, I, I'll, I'll have this conversation with anybody and yeah. everybody. I mean, it seems to me, and tell me your thoughts here. Like I said, I don't really know that I, I know enough to have an opinion that's educated. It would seem to me logical to assume <clears throat> with just over 8 billion human beings on the planet and all the cars and all the buildings and all the whatevers, uh, it would seem like there would be some kind of an impact. Like I could buy into that there's some, we have some kind of an impact on the environment. I don't know what, and I don't know how bad or how not bad it is, but it would seem to make sense that there would have to be something, right? I mean, if I put a slab of concrete in my backyard, then the ambient temperature in my backyard is going to raise by a fraction of a degree when it's a sunny day out. I mean, am I wrong or what? No, you're, you're going on the right path. The biggest, the biggest impact to climate change on this planet is something called the Malkovic effect, which is the wobble in our rotation around the sun. It's very complex to understand because there's a wobble inside a wobble inside a tilt inside a wobble. But mathematically, it's not that hard to understand, not that hard to model. This period of time that we're in right now is called an interglacial period. The reason it's called an interglacial period is because we have ice ages. In between the ice ages, the pendulum swings and the earth warms up. So you know how for years uh, people have guessed or said, I mean, Al Gore is famous for this, so is the U.S. Navy for predicting that the poles would be ice-free by 2014, 2012, right, 2010, right, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Do you know there's a large part of the earth's history where the poles didn't have ice? So at the right time, that's normal. So we go through an ice age every 15 or 20,000 years. We've been 15,000 years out of ice age. Which, if you look at the swing of that pendulum, means that somewhere in the next 5,000 years, we'll probably have another ice age. Um, carbon dioxide is a very minor greenhouse gas. It's just become political. It's less than 0.4% of what our atmosphere is made of. Its greenhouse effect is minimal. It's about... 25 or 30 percent of the greenhouse effect that has to do with the millimeter of absorption wavelength of light so carbon dioxide absorbs a little bit of light and when you when it absorbs that light it converts the energy to heat water vapor is 75 percent greenhouse effect so 75 percent of the energy it hits water vapor turns into heat carbon dioxide like i said is about 400 parts per million in our atmosphere water vapor is about 28,000 parts per million Water vapor is an enormous, exponentially much bigger greenhouse effect gas oh my God. carbon dioxide. Yet, how many people have you heard talk about that? Well, what it, so basically what you're saying is we need to boil all the oceans up because that's the real problem. 
<laughs> well, like and then even the oceans are the. Yeah, there was this whole thing a few weeks ago about we don't have enough water. We've got too much water, people. Like this is the fuck water. The other yes. thing is, is <laughs> yes. carbon is finite on this planet. It has to be recycled. Your carbon being, page carbon being, everything's a carbon being. That carbon in you at one point was in a butterfly or a donkey or a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And the way, one of the ways it gets recycled is the photosynthesis in the ocean by single-cell animals and plants convert that carbon dioxide. Remember eighth grade? It takes uh, carbon dioxide and water and converts it into glucose and oxygen, right? When those single-cell plants and animals die in the right circumstances, sink to the ocean floor in an area where there's no oxygen, they don't decompose. They get covered layers of sediment. That pressure and heat removes that oxygen atom. So a carbohydrate, the same fuel that's running your brain right now while we're talking, is a carbon atom, a hydrogen atom, and an uh, oxygen atom. When the oxygen atoms removed, you're left with a carbon atom and a hydrogen atom, which is a hydrocarbon, right? Hydrocarbons are natural. They're made by plants. Mm. And the carbon dioxide that's released when you burn them came out of the atmosphere, which means they are net zero. Now, people will argue with me and go, Mark, carbon dioxide can't be net zero because at the time they were made millions of years ago, the carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere is much higher. So now you're releasing more carbon dioxide now than when it was pulled out of the atmosphere. And I say, you're right. And you just proved my point in the fact that before mankind existed, carbon dioxide was much, much higher in our atmosphere than it is now. So there's a lot of complexity. I don't understand it all. I understand it enough to know that climate change has become a political weapon mm. and that most of the people I talk to that are, that are well-known in social media have no idea what they're talking about. And that's either on purpose or through ignorance. Yeah, it's always about an agenda. Interesting. Okay. Well, this has been very educated. This guy, this show got a lot. This episode was a lot smarter than it had any right to be. There was a lot more <laughs> science. Like this is a Mark. I don't know if you're aware of this. This is a pretty soft show. We don't use science on geopolitics. <laughs> but Jordan, you know who looks at science? The Empower and Alliance. That's right. I got to give do. a big plug to Tom and the organization out there. They're trying to decouple politics uh, from our uh, energy, and I think it's a wonderful thing. So listeners to this show, go sign up. Tell Tom we said that you need to support him because we really do need to connect, disconnect politics from our energy policy. It is not good no matter what. 100%. So we uh, certainly appreciate all the uh, support they give us. Go show them some love. And uh, I guess that's a show for us. I think we've got everything we need here. So I'm going to say, uh, Mark, thank you so much for being here and for providing your insight and your science or witchcraft, depending upon, <laughs> you know, how much coffee I've had when you start spouting it uh, Witchcraft is Paige. I'm the science guy. Okay. Are you the yeah, science guy? Yeah. Paige, thank witchy you so much. Witchy woman. It's the redhead. It's so we the got the witchy hair. woman and we got business daddy before <laughs> over here. So, um, all right. So anyways, guys, that is this episode. We'll be back with our regular programming next week. Uh, this is Jordan Driscoll reminding you that you heard it here first when you get rid of those oceans. But we do like whales. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. Mm-hmm.